This episode is brought to you in part by Zondervan, publisher of Ghosted, an American story, written and narrated by New York Times best-selling ghostwriter Nancy French, and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Dynamic voices for a diverse church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pass the Mic, Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church, powered by the Reformed African American Network. You can follow us at randnetwork.org. I'm your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter at Burns23. And today we're going to get into some fun topics, some light fare, um, but with depth and meaning. And whenever there's depth, we want to bring on our producer, Bo York. How's it going? <laughs> Whenever there's depth, really? <laughs> yes. Whenever there is sincere depth, meaning comic books, whenever there's movies, comic books, Hollywood, we bring you on. Uh-huh. You know, that's, that's deep. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll take it, man. Now, this is, I'm, I'm so <laughs> excited. I'm so excited to talk about this one, man. We're talking about the, uh, uh, we're talking about Civil War. Yes, and not the the American event in the 1800s, but we're talking about Marvel's Civil War movie. And But where can they follow you on Twitter? Oh, we're going to get that out of the way. All right. Um, yeah, you can- too. Follow me at the real Bo York. I spell my name B E A U, so it's nice and complicated. But I should mention, man, I, I do a podcast on a semi-regular basis yes. called Panel to Screen, where we actually looks. It's a it's a movie review podcast specifically for uh, you know comic book movies and and the like. So it's uh, it's a fun ride. We we review some movies that I'm not saying that you know everyone should go out and see. It's definitely not. Uh, you know, it, it, it has a, what, what do we call it? A, a broad appeal podcast as opposed uh, of to course, kind of, of a, uh, it's, a, it's not a reformed panel to screen or something like that. <laughs> no, I, that you read my mind because I was actually going to have you plug your podcast, plural. Um, I know panel to screen is one that you do. You do a whole bunch of them. So they can follow you on Twitter for more information about all your podcasts and everything that you do. But panel to screen is an excellent podcast. I really enjoy listening to it. And um, yeah. Bo is a Bo is a big time star. See, that's why we bring Bo on. No. You guys don't know Bo's alternate life, but his alternate <laughs> life is he is a podcast star who traverses the globe, um, recording podcasts and teaching others how to do the same. So we appreciate you, man. And I'm I'm happy to be here. I'd be I was gonna say that's not true, but I guess it is kind of true now. So <laughs> see, <laughs> I have to accept I the love you, Bo. How <laughs> so anyone who knows me knows that my first love when it comes to thinking and when it comes to philosophy is theology, right? Mm. I love talking about the nature and the character of God. I love talking about the centrality of the scriptures. I love talking about Christ's example. Um, I love talking about how just the expanse of Christian theology and systematic theology brings just the gospel to bear on our lives and what we do and how we live and what we say. Uh, Anyone who knows me knows I can go on and talk about that forever. And that's something I'm very passionate about. Still learning to get better in it and still growing, still developing. I'm very young, so still listening and learning as much as I possibly can. But that's number one passion. But I guess the second passion would be the intersection of our belief and culture. Mm. Um, Discipling young people, young families, young adults. What I see is that culture is is so ubiquitous. And even if you shut your television off, even if you throw away your, your smartphone, um, if you're interacting any what, in, in any way, shape, or form on the internet or with other people, you're going to run into culture. You're going to run head first into culture. Um, and so what we view, how we view um, culture, how we view representation, uh, how we view human dignity, and how those things are represented on the screen is something I think is very worthwhile. Now, we did a podcast a few years ago about comics and actually got a great reception. Um, people still talk about that podcast, uh, just about black representation in comics and and kind of how people have, whether rightly or wrongly, represented the African-American experience. Um, or it may be rightly and wrongly would be the improper term, but just the, the broad expanse of how that's been represented or underrepresented in comics. And so we wanted to bring this topic on, not because we just want to talk about a movie, but because there is a certain depth and dignity that we're going to get into as far mm-hmm. as a representation of one particular character. And I think whenever we're talking about representation, that our imagination and, and fiction, it has a, a heavy impact on how we view the image of God. 
has a heavy impact on how we view dignity, mm-hmm. you know, what we think about and how we dream and our creative um, expression is, is something that's very important. So we want to talk about the character of Black Panther, who is unquestionably my favorite superhero. Um, it, it's, it's not just because he is a black superhero, but it is because, as you will see, he is a very fascinating character. And I want to get into that. Bo, you ready to get into that? Yeah, and I'll even uh, kind of throw this in here at the, at the get-go as well. Back when we had our original conversation on on kind of comic book heroes and, and race as it kind of pertains to that, pertains to that uh, this really is almost like a spiritual successor to that discussion because, you know, a lot of what we talked about is there is a desire to see uh, heroes. In fact, there is a desire for a hero king, right? And And that is exactly what you know, we see on screen Black Panther as a hero king. And I think it, it he as a character resonates with us because we want that. That is exactly kind of at our core. I know I'm jumping ahead. <laughs> I'm jumping ahead nah, to nah, the application. But, but just to kind of frame it up and, and set that up at the get-go, um, you know, because of course T'Challa, the Black Panther, was one of, if not the first black superhero in mainstream American comics, uh, predating Falcon, Luke Cage. Um, he was, you know, he's the, the king now. I guess, oh, we should probably actually start off by saying spoilers for the movie, right? Yeah, I think we should go ahead and get into spoilers because I think by this time, you guys probably have seen the movie. If you have not, hold this podcast, pause it, um, go see Captain America Civil War whenever you can. This podcast will still be here for mm. you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I don't want to ruin the movie. And frankly, I can't get into all that I want to <laughs> without giving away certain spoilers because there's such key scenes throughout the movie. Um, that I don't want to ruin for you guys. Um, so I'm giving you this opportunity. Spoilers. We just letting you know. Spoilers. <laughs> well, okay, in, in right. many respects, he was he was kind of the soul of the movie. Like like yes. there, I feel like the as an audience, we were going on a journey, an emotional journey, and he was kind of that physical embodiment of the emotion that the audience was experiencing from the moment. Spoiler, spoiler, spoilers. When his father dies in his arms to the moment of his understanding of, you know, violence beginning more violence and, and, you know, someone has to stop this, the, the wisdom of a King kind of coming full, full on. And that effect, like he was, he was us, man. He was, he was our emotion put on screen. That's the way I felt. So let me ask you this, Bo, it's kind of taking it back a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. What were your expectations heading into the movie regarding Black Panther as a character? And, and what were some concerns that you might've had? So expectations, things you were looking forward to seeing, and then maybe some concerns about how the movie was going to handle him as a character. All right. So I come into this movie as a comic book fan, right? So I'm familiar with Black Panther, and I'm also familiar with the Civil War graphic novel. I remember actually uh, getting the Civil War graphic novel, also the the Spider-Man uh, series that went along with that, the Illuminati it's a, series. It's a great series. All yeah. those series are really great. Yeah. Did you notice how they even tied in that whole monologue from the Spider-Man yes. tie-ins? That was so cool, man. That was so good. Yeah, man, yeah. Especially the Illuminati comic is really fascinating mm, as well. I thought they might play into that. They still could actually play into that in the future if they wanted to, but- for, suffice for for the purpose of this uh, you know this discussion. So I was familiar with the the Civil War storyline, in which Black Panther in the in the comics in Civil War, he was kind of a he he did not Civil War in the comics was much more an American situation, mm-hmm. whereas here right. I think rightfully so they made it a global situation. It plays a lot well you know plays very well into the stories they've told before, and so it makes sense for T'Challa to play a significant role in this version of the Civil War. So what his role would be i didn't have a whole lot uh, i didn't have a whole lot of preconceived notions going in because he wasn't in the original storyline too prominently he was but not too prominently uh and his his mindset is typically more of you know wakanda for wakanda right or at least in that era of comics that was his mindset and so you know i he was originally a founding member of the illuminati this group of superheroes that band together with a goal of kind of trying to to set the universe right um, in the sense that right. they tapped him, but then he walked away because he was like, this, this is not the way to do this. This is wrong. Right. We should not have this kind of, you know, quiet control over, over the populace. So going into this movie with all of that as the framework, I was kind of surprised to hear that he was going to be on Iron Man's side. Right. Exactly. Now that's, yeah. Okay. So if I'm talking about expectations for me heading in, the first expectation that I had was I I was really interested in seeing Wakanda. 
and representations of Wakanda culture. <laughs> you so, got you got teased then. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. So so for those of you who don't know, uh, Black Panther, and we'll kind of be given his origin story throughout. We're right, just, right, right. We're, we're just going to kind of flow throughout the story. But Wakanda is a North, a fictional North African country in the Marvel, uh, in the Marvel comics that um, Black Panther T'Challa is the king over. Um, so he succeeds his his father T'Chaka, and there have been a successive line of Black Panthers who are basically the rulers and defenders of this fictional city, uh, fictional country of Wakanda. Now, Wakanda, it's very important to know, is the producer of the world's pretty much the most, the rarest metal, which is vibranium. Um, It's what makes up Ultron's um, suit. It's what makes up uh, Captain America's shield and then obviously Black Panther's uh, suit as well. Mm -hmm. So vibranium is very important to the world, but Wakanda is kind of a country that's off to itself. It's not a country that gets involved in many of the world's affairs. Um, it's never been colonized or conquered. Uh, it's it's just its own technologically, scientifically advanced country. So it's it's a it's a section of Africa that imperialism never came to. Never came to. Right. Okay. So it was never never came to, and then it kind of gets hint, hinted at the end when uh, Captain America in in a scene says, "Well, you know they're going to come," and he's actually in Wakanda, and then and then Black Panther says, "Yeah, we'll, we'll let him try. <laughs> we'll, we'll let, let him try to come in um, right. for a number of reasons." That was hilarious. Okay, so the expectation was I wanted to see glimpses of Wakandan culture. Now I knew we weren't going to see everything because a Black Panther movie is still to come, but I wanted to see just touches and tastes of what we're going to see, the dignity, the um, the cultural expression. And if I had any sort of concern, it was that Marvel has typically been a very uh, light series or a light cinematic universe, with some exceptions, right? There's depth in everything, but it's been a little light. And I was afraid- In terms of the movies. Gonna... Yes, in terms of the movies, right. in the cinematic universe. Right. But I was afraid that they were going to kind of morph Black Panther into this humoring, quip kind of guy who was going to make some jokes and laugh and smile and wink. In, in, a, in, in similar ways, they've kind of made those guys the, the sarcastic sidekicks, you know, mm. kind of the guys who, are, who have the hilarious quips and push back against your favorite character and but still are very loyal and can get serious. But I was afraid that they were going to kind of morph Black Panther into that reality. So kind of the and war machine, say, the Falcon type of characterization that we've seen. Exactly. So it was it was kind of the war machine and Falcon sidekick who kind of pushes back sarcastically against your your favorite main character. That's what I thought it was going to be. And let me tell you, it's not that nope. at all. Nope. In any way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. uh, Chadwick Boseman, who I was very concerned about how he was going to portray this role, simply because I thought that there may have been better actors. Now, there there wasn't a better high-profile actor, but I thought that there may have been better actors, particularly Nate Parker um, and some others, that I would have loved to have seen take the role just because of you know his stance and their stances in real life. But Chadwick Boseman, from the second he came on screen, when he was looking away, when they were getting ready to sign the Accords, and he was looking away. Well, number one, my wife tapped me on the show and said, that looks like you, and which was the greatest compliment. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I was like, really? Wow, okay. thanks, babe. Like, you know, ego just went up like 10, 15 points, right? But then as soon as he started talking, I said, okay, well, this is Black Panther. This is who I've been waiting to see this entire time. And it was a perfect representation. Mm. I mean, it was... It was to the T. It was like they spent time, they spent energy, they went back and forth, but it was so dignified and regal and noble, but powerful. I was blown away by it. And Marvel hasn't really had this long history of incorporating black characters, but we'll get into that in in a little bit. But um, as far as the cinematic universe, they haven't really had a lot of black characters, although they have incorporated some as sidekicks, but I was blown away by it. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. I mean, Marvel, uh, while they've done, I mean, ultimately they've done a fantastic job of telling a, kind of a grand story, but in the process, yes. you know, it's, it's been a lot of white guys. So, you know, African-American characters, also female characters have yes. been 
for for what we get, they've been, I think, well represented, just not that much. So in terms of it's it's been a limited representation. Like you'll get um, Zoe Zaldana's character in um, Guardians of the Galaxy, eh. um, but she's but she's an alien, right? Uh-huh. So she's that, not that's she's a not conversation. An black character or or a character of color. That's a conversation. Actually, at some point, we should probably have about a lot of uh, character, a lot of actors, African American actors, uh, or, or just black actors on the whole that end up getting cast as aliens, right? Right. Like that's mm-hmm. that's a huge uh, trope right now. And uh, Idris Elba with Star Trek. Yeah. And I, yeah, it's just a number of things that make you say, "Well, why is this phenomenal character, um, phenomenal actor, getting?" getting morphed into this role where we don't see their skin, right, you know, right. their real skin. So yeah. let me ask you this, but what makes Black Panther distinct from the other characters? What part of this clearly showed that he was in, in kind of a league all by himself? Sure. There's a, there's an element in which Black Panther is kind of a combination of the big three, right? Big three, of course, being Cap, Iron Man, and Thor. Um, he's regal. When we first meet him, he's a prince. Now, when we let last leave him, he's a king. Uh, so he's got kind of that regalness to him that of a Thor. Um, you know, he's covered in vibranium. And in many respects, yeah. his suit is far more durable, far more powerful than Tony's. Now, it's also more sleek, so he's not built to fly. He's not he's not a tank, but he's like a ninja right. that you can't, like, pierce his his uh, his costume. And so it's... Bulletproof it, costume. Oh, my gosh. That was so awesome when he turns and looks at him when they start Yeah, and then the helicopter is shooting, shooting the bullets at him, which would tear through a building or a car and he's just like staring at them and they're just bouncing off. Of right. Them. That was amazing. Right. And the other thing, of course, with that vibranium is that, you know, you got to remember this is the exact same material that Cap's shield is made out of. So he actually scratches, he scars the shield, you know, and, and to just, again, just drive that home. Remember in the very first Avengers, when they all meet for the first time, Thor's hammer comes crashing down on Cap's shield and wipes out an entire forest. Right. But Cap is unscathed. That material is what Black Panther's suit is made out of. So, I mean, theoretically, he could go toe to toe -toe with Thor as long as he's all suited up. Uh, So, yeah. So the the Iron Man kind of, you know, suit the the regalness of a Thor uh, and then also the command of a Captain America. You know, when Captain America walks into a room, you know that it's his call. Well, that's true until Black Panther walks into the room. Now it's kind of like, all right, you know, what, what are we going to do here? Because he does have this extremely commanding presence, even when he has that exchange with Black Widow. And she's like, you know, we're going to find this guy. He's like, don't worry, I will find him myself. Like, yeah, he's, I, he's like I will kill he him says, myself. I'm going to kill him. Yeah. He said, I'm going to kill him myself. And, I'll take care of that. Which is interesting because that that line hit me. I was com- I, that was a complex line, right? Yes. For on the one hand, you know he's a hero, and I don't, you know, I, I know Marvel heroes kill. We've seen that, but I don't like a hero that runs so willingly to kill somebody. But at the same time, he's a king, right? Yes. And so he can, and and specifically with kind of Wakanda and and their their justice system, he is their judge, right? Yes. So he is this king, this judge again. It's a lot of spiritual ties you can tie into kind of what's what's being done Uh-oh. here. But Uh-oh. but so when he when he says that, he says that in a just fashion. Now, of course, he is he is a king, he is a judge, he is a hero, but he's flawed because he's human. And so this it's not, you know, he's it's obviously unfortunately misdirected until the end of the film. But regardless, it was a complex line. What did you, what did you think about it when he said that? So what I thought was um at first, I was stunned that he was that direct. Mm. Um, I had kind of been worried that how was Black Panther going to get involved in the conflict? Now, even at the beginning, when a few members of the city of the country of Wakanda, I keep calling it a city, I don't know why, but the country of Wakanda um, are killed in kind of this this brawl between the the Avengers and some villains who were, who were trying to steal some material. Even as that was happening, I still didn't get it. Like, I got that they would kind of be involved, but I'm like, what are we about to see here? How is he going to be emotionally invested in the plot? And to be honest with you, he's never emotionally invested in Civil War. Mm. He's never emotionally invested yep. in Cap versus yep. Tony. Like, he doesn't care about that. He cares about his own code. He cares about representing his country as its defender, as its king. And and that... It's almost as though his storyline runs right through the Civil War storyline. I have my own. I have my own story arc. Yeah. Like it doesn't even matter, you know. And so when I heard that, I was like, okay, he has to do that because he's the judge of Wakanda. He is the defender and protector of the country of the realm. So it's like he has to do that. But at the same time, 
Marvel has a really interesting relationship with killing. They kill mm. a lot. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it's almost uncomfortable how much they kill and how quickly they do. And we've accepted it because it's kind of like popcorn fair. But well, and it's a modern that, we're a modern world at war, right? So I mean like we are are, you know, we've we've kind of been uh, th- these are these are heroes that are kind of to some extent already fairly militarized in their approach, especially with kind of the global reach that they've had. And so, exactly. you know, aside from kind of the uh, fantastic elements of you know the superhero who can find the you know find the best case scenario where everybody saves the day, we were first introduced in the, to this world for Robert Downey Jr., who very specifically flew over to you know a terrorist. Uh, occupied region and blew away everybody with bullets and, and missiles and flew back home after saving the day and, and liberating the people. And it was kind of this, this fantasy American fantasy, right? Uh, wow. That Ooh. plus, and they follow that up with the Avengers, which is, I, I, I read this somewhere and it stuck with me. It's, it's a nine 11 revenge fam- fantasy, right? Cause Shoot. here it is this massive attack on New York. And what do we do? What are, what do our heroes do? They come in, nuke the bad guys, save the day. And, you know, it, it really kind of plays into that that mindset. What what we've wow. been missing, or, or perhaps what we've been longing for, for right or for wrong, what we've been longing for since kind of nine eleven, and what that blow was to you know, kind of a, a, the American mindset. Man, that's crazy. I I had never heard that a nine eleven was wow. That's crazy. Yep. So so hearing that, it, it made me feel like it showed his flaw, and it showed the flaw of him being consumed with not just justice, because it wasn't really justice at the beginning. It was just vengeance. Um, he didn't even investigate nothing. He just heard that right. there was yeah, a uh, winter soldier. Winter soldier was responsible. So I'm going after him. Well, one news report. It's it's just, it was, unbe- it was unbecoming well, of the king. Well, you know? a one news report, but I mean, like it was in all fairness, if not for super science, I mean, it was him on tape. They saw him do it. Uh, it was, you know, magical well, super science mask. Technically, <laughs> right? But it was, it wasn't, it wasn't the consideration. It wasn't the, um, the calm and the processing and the nobility. But yet, there's still the power that we see at the end when this arc is finished. Right. Like he sees something and he's able to make a decision and to say, no, this is not what's going to happen. Even though everything in his body could be moving him toward that point, he says, "Nah, this was this is not what's going to happen." He mm-hmm. doesn't investigate because a lot of for a lot of people, he's Marvel's Batman, um, like he's Marvel's Batman character, which I don't think is a proper representation, a proper analogy, because Batman doesn't have any superhero powers, right? Yeah, <laughs> like so Batman just has resources and an investigative mind, and he's amazing, but he's. Black Panther is far more than just a Batman type character, right? Yeah, I never understood but, that. That I mean, aside from black costume with pointy ears, like that's about the only comparison you can make. I mean, they got they got money and they're both really yeah. really smart, but I mean, Batman's more of a one to one with Iron Man. I've always kind of seen exactly, yeah, definitely. I, I when, whenever people say that, I'm like, I don't even understand because Black Panther has far more money than than, than Batman yeah, does. He would Tony actually does anyway. His DC counterpart, uh, just off the top of my head, I would probably say is more of a Wonder Woman. Right. Because, I mean, you know, this kind of uh, uh, foreign nation to America, a, a ro- you know, royal entity, there's magic involved in the in the superset as well as kind of super powered weapons that go around that. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I would definitely agree with that. Now, let's talk about pivotal scenes. For me, the most pivotal Black Panther scene outside of the end scene, which I want to get into here in a second. But the most pivotal scene uh, for me was when he's having this epic fight, this initial confrontation with the Winter Soldier, where he basically comes out of nowhere and then starts engaging the Winter Soldier and Captain America in a tunnel mm-hmm. where he's running as mm-hmm. fast as a car or faster than, than cars, <laughs> which was crazy to watch. I think Captain America's like, who is this guy? Um, where he's he's fighting, where he's showing this amazing agility and martial arts training. And then when the fight is stopped, it was amazing for me to see him just take off his mask and say, what's good. Like it was, it was amazing. He didn't really say what's good, but no, you know, no, no, he no. took off his mask and was like, I'm here. Yeah, exactly. He didn't, he didn't have to fight. He didn't have to run to some extent. He had diplomatic community. <laughs> so he was, yeah, he was covered one way or the other, but I mean like, no, he's, he is, he's a king of a sovereign nation. Like it's, it's not like they're going to lock him up and that's the end that we're going to hear of T'Challa. He, he knows who he is. He knows where he is and he knows what he's doing. I think that the him taking off his mask was such a pivotal moment in the movie. Mm. And it's such a pivotal moment for viewers to see 
because it was almost as if all those things that you just mentioned were true. But what what hit me in the chest was it was almost as if he said, I'm, I'm, I am who I am. I am who I am. Mm. I know who I am. And I'm going to be who I am in front of you. And it doesn't really matter what you think about it. Yeah. The mask is ceremonial. It's not to cover up who he is. Exactly. And so when he takes it off, because I think for a lot of people in their first introduction to this character, they're going to think it's a disguise or they're going to think it's something Mm. to keep away uh, to basically hide his identity. And it's not that at all. He is who he is and he doesn't care who knows. And I think that is a very, if we're talking about the connection of representation, and the connection of human dignity and the connection of, you know, the black experience in America, so to speak. It's beautiful to see someone just say, yeah, this is who I am. And, and, and I'm a warrior and I'm a king and I have dignity and I'm going to find this person. You're not going to stop me. You're not going to keep me back. And I think the representation of that will speak volumes for a next generation mm. who comes up and sees these movies. When they see these movies, there is no need for a disguise. There's no alien costume. He is who he is. And I think that for me was was one of the most powerful scenes that he had in the film. What about you? That's good, man. I mean, for me, the most powerful scene is is kind of the climactic moment, right? It went, oh. once once he gets the clarification, he he real which by the way, he got that cool jet. They kind of skimmed over that that cool jet he was flying. Which was uh, really the jet awesome. was amazing. Man. Yeah, I'll, I'll, he's, a, he's a pilot. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> that was that was uh, that was new to me. I don't remember Black Panther having like a like a Panther jet or anything like that. Uh, I mean, I'm, that was brand new to me. I didn't. I was not expecting that at all. It's Wakanda, so I mean, look, they 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 got money. They got they got they got the money in the metal. So I'm not surprised that they've got it. Um, maybe even it, it could have been retrofitted with like some Chitari uh, tech too, because they I I think what they're going to do is tie in the Chitari to vibranium and specifically to Wakanda. I could be wrong on that. I don't know. We'll see what ends up happening. But one way or the other, when he does learn the truth, right that uh, that he has been misled and that there's this other. A person who was actually responsible, directly responsible for the death of his father. And he tracks him down and it happens to be at the big moment. Now, the entire movie, we've been told this narrative of very subtly even about Tony and his, uh, his, his repression, his not dealing with the fact that his parents were killed. Right. So there's, there's this underlying tone that's not at all the direct narrative. The more direct narrative of the parent being killed is T'Challa and his his, uh, father. And so when we get the pivotal moment of kind of the two title heroes going head to head over specifically, again, we we spoiled everything early on, but over everything, we spoiled everything. (laughs) (laughs) But specifically over, you know, um, uh, Tony having to live that moment, having to see this man choke out his mom, right? And have to see this man like punch his father to death. So he's he's engaging in that vengeance that first kicked off T'Challa and his story. And so T'Challa is finally met here with his with his father's killer. And what does he do? He realizes after seeing how he's been twisted and how the Avengers have been twisted and how the whole world to some extent has been twisted by this constant need of vengeance and this constant taking of life that ultimately that vengeance, that taking of life keeps on taking more and more and more life and creating more and more, uh, you know, people seeking revenge and, and it's his moment. And I can't remember the exact line, but I, I remember very specifically where he says that he's not going to kill him. Okay. And yeah, then it's, it's it, he says, vengeance has consumed you. It is consuming them. I will no longer let it consume me. There it is right there. And I mean, that's, it's so powerful. And then on top of that, when, um, uh, Baron Zemo, when Zemo is, is, you know, he's about, I mean, you see him with a gun and you know, he's not going to point at T'Challa. So, you know, he's sitting there about to contemplate suicide. And so when he does it and T'Challa intervenes and stops the bullet and tells him the living are not done with you yet. I was like, Oh my God. Justice over vengeance. Justice over vengeance. That was it, man. That was for me, that was his big standout moment. That was just, I mean, that, that was the pivotal moment of the movie. And again, we've got the big clash between Tony and Cap, and that's that's huge. But the soul, like the the battle for the soul of the audience member, occurs in that moment with T'Challa and and Zemo. And it's it everything in you is, I don't know. It, for me, I was expecting for that to end in a death. I just was as soon as you see Black Panther creeping up behind him, mm-hmm. and and then when you see him put the he puts the mask down, 
And then he just stands there and starts talking to him. And immediately, as soon as he starts talking to him, I said, oh, well, something's changed here. Because he could have easily just pushed him off. He could have easily wrapped him up. He could have responded with rage. But he sees, I don't know, this brokenness. He sees this, I don't know, the pathetic type character who he gets it. He understands that his family was killed. But but it's almost as though vengeance has just tainted his any goodness that's within him, right? Yeah. But instead of allowing him to commit suicide, he just grabs him. The gravitas of that moment yeah. and the way he delivered that was stunning. It, to me, that line was better than anything Batman versus Superman had. That, <laughs> oh, that line was just better than the entire movie. You can't even right compare there. the two. You can't even compare the two, honestly. I know. I'm just being <laughs> silly. Okay. But I'm just saying, this is for, for BBS fans. I've seen Batman versus Superman twice, by the way. It's all good. Which but, you're crazy for, but we won't even get into it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but for me, the weight, I felt the weight of that in a way that I hadn't felt the weight of certain superhero movies before. And it leads me to this point because some people are saying, making this statement, that Black Panther is the most exciting character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, I don't know if that's true yet. I don't know if we have enough material yet. But just on introduction alone, there has not been this tightly executed of an mm. introduction at any point in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, to my knowledge. Now, you may point out something else, but to me, they've done a great job of a number of different things and, and kind of morphing this grand storyline together and heading to this ultimate conclusion, which is still to come. But this was perfection to me. Yeah, it was it was executed brilliantly. Uh, you know, the, the two standout characters are, are definitely Black Panther and then also Spider-Man, you know, going into the for, for the longest time, I was like, OK, we'll kill kill Peter Parker and let's tell a Miles Morales story in kind of a Marvel right, context, right. which I was leaning towards until I saw this kid. And I was like, oh, Marvel wanted to show us what Peter Parker was actually like. <laughs> this is this is <laughs> yeah. the actual Peter Parker finally, that we've okay, never finally. seen. Yeah. And, uh, and they even gave him like an accent, like a Queen's accent, which like, you know, Sp Spider-Man's yes. never had, which is crazy. Um, but anyway, so they did a, they did a fantastic job with Peter Parker and I'm really excited about that, but you're right. You know, we've, we've had years and years and decades of, of external media or additional media about Spider-Man. This is the first time that we've had a live action, correct me if I'm wrong, but the first time we've ever had a live action Black Panther. Um, we've seen Black Panther to some extent um, in cartoons, but yeah, not much. Yeah, I think much. you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. So this is, I mean, you're right. It was extremely well executed. And I mean, all right, so let's, let's, let's tie it into the gospel if we can. Cause I mean, I do think, you know, we, we talk about this grand moment, right here. We have this hero yes. King and judge who comes in, uh, for vengeance and instead shows mercy, right? Here he is at this point with the, with the killer of his father. This is a guilty man. Not only has he killed his father, he's killed other people. He's, he's torn apart the infrastructure of the world's heroes. This is a guilty man who deserves death. And the hero king and judge comes in and shows mercy. Yeah. Is there a biblical application there, Tyler? <laughs> right. I don't know. I don't know, bro. Um, <laughs> Why would we as human beings that, like that? Why does that speak to us as uh, as as individuals? What 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 is it about heroes and and specifically this narrative that really speaks to us as uh not not even as Christians, as as humans? The way in which the gospel connected to that storyline rightful vengeance right it was it was right for him to take vengeance it was right for him to enact whatever he wanted but the restraint to show mercy but yet in the mercy a just mercy is overwhelming i think every single one of us who watches this movie knows intrinsically that we are guilty Mm. Um, one of the, one of the core tenets of the gospel is that we cannot get away from our own guilt and sinfulness as much as we would like to rationalize our goodness and rationalize our comparative goodness to other people. We are all guilty before a holy and righteous God. And it is just for that holy and righteous God to enact vengeance upon us because we have sinned against him. He is the King. We have, we have offended him. We have gone against his dictates. But yet, instead of that, Christ comes and, and provides atonement. Christ comes and steps in and takes that justice, takes that vengeance upon himself and absorbs the penalty of, of our sin. And it's amazing to see that Hollywood and really any sort of storyline 
Mm-hmm. It can't get away from the gospel mm-hmm. because that's what we all long for. We all long for an ultimate conclusion where our sins are not held against us. But we don't see any rationalization for that outside of the gospel other than our good deeds outweigh our bad. Mm-hmm. Um, our better days outweigh our worst days. Um, the good in us outweighs the bad in us. And there's so much, there's so much cream puff um, tension of that stuff in the comics. And I don't want to reduce the comics, but sometimes it gets into, oh, well, the good in me outweighs the bad in me. And I know I'm bad, but I'm, I'm good. And I do this ultimate good act. And, it, you know, it kind of gets into that sort of um, you must I, wake up and be hero. You must eat breakfast and be it, hero. Exactly. It's like that weak storytelling. I just don't I don't like that. Um, but this felt like so much more and so much deeper. And it connected us to the heart of guilty people justly deserving something, the vengeance of someone who is superior to us, but being spared, not, not getting off the hook, Mm. but being spared because that, that man or, or that (laughs) King or that savior absorbs the vengeance. Like it it was crazy, man. And, And to see that in a Marvel movie, I hope people caught that. I hope people saw just the weight of that, that he is really, frankly, this was, this was his movie. It just seemed like his movie, man. I, I don't know. <laughs> he just stole the show. I'm, I'm seeing Cap and, and, and Tony argue about this, this and that. And, and, and it's meaningful, but, but I'm just so transfixed by this, by this storyline because it had so much depth and it connected to the gospel. I hope people really saw that. And I hope that's something that continues throughout, even up until the Black Panther solo movie. Yeah. So let me ask you this. So when when Christ comes to earth, we experience him in a relatable way, right? We experience him as a man. He's he's all God, but he's all man. So he's yep. he's at a place that we can relate, right? That we, yeah. we can see him because he's got flesh on him. This story could have been told using almost any character to some extent in terms of just the emotional Correct. driven nature of it um, and even even kind of driving at it. Is there added value or did you find added value because this was a hero king that looked apparently, according to your wife, very much like you personally. <laughs> but, but did you, did you it's feel... It's my doppelganger, man. There's, there's three <laughs> twins, man. Yeah, we'll just call up Marvel just in case they need to recast for... Uh, I mean, in all fair, in all fair, I'll give you this. You look a lot more like him than uh, Don Cheadle looks like oh, Terrence Kanye Howard. West? No, no, no. Than Don Cheadle looks oh, like Terrence okay. Howard. Oh, I'm just okay. saying, yeah, if we can make that leap... Like Kanye West. So <laughs> uh, if we can make that leap, then, then yeah, totally, you could be the next Black Panther. But... <laughs> Getting back to my point, was is there value in seeing that hero king that looks like you? Absolutely. And and a hundred percent. I gotta shout out um Nate Moore, who's one of the producers, the executive producers on uh, Captain America Civil War. And Nate Moore has had a strong hand in casting and writing the stories of black superheroes in the MCU. Mm. I gotta give him a major shout out. He has done something very special um, in his representation of these characters. It was his original idea to bring in Falcon in Captain America Winter Soldier and to cast Falcon as someone who is a major part of the storyline. And the dignity of seeing that, that choice, that moral choice made, here's, here's why it was, it was so meaningful to me. Because there was no power lost. There was not an mm. ounce of power loss. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes what happens is we like to morph um, black forgiveness. And it's something that I believe is very important in our narrative. Um, black forgiveness or what some people call black respectability. But I think that's different than what I'm talking about. Black forgiveness, just this ability to say we will, we will not respond to hatred with hatred. We will not respond to unjust treatment with vengeance, but rather we will we will maintain and retain our dignity. Now, much of that has been uh, morphed into a narrative that makes the black experience or the black community in America during that time appear weak, and that's how some a lot of people push back against that. They move to you know pun intended the the Black Panther Party representation, right? Mm-hmm. Which is that we will take strong um, 
we will take a strong stand and show you our power, black power, et cetera. The thing that I appreciated about this was that it morphed those two together in a very uh, meaningful but not cheap way. So he forgives, but he doesn't lose power. He, he maintains the moral high ground, but he does not take the stance that now he is just a weak character and he'll just allow things to happen. Well, yes, I will not respond in vengeance, but I also will take the power to say, the living aren't done with you yet. I'm not going to allow you to mm. kill yourself. I'm just going to stand by and just let things play out, but I will retain power. And the retaining of that power and influence uh, is meaningful and it speaks to dignity because the, the, the key thing about all of this is that Black Panther never needed to pick a side. Mm. He never needed to join Team Iron Man. He chose to. He said, oh, well, I guess I'll go with you guys. He could have found, he could have found uh, Bucky on his own. He could have put these pieces together on his own, but instead just decides to join Team Iron Man just out of pure pragmatism. He didn't need to be subservient to a side, but he retained his own dignity and said, hey, I, I'll be my own side if I have to. Mm. And the representation of that for African and, and, and black African-Americans and, and black um, people in, in the American experience is so powerful. Yet at the same time, it shows this duality. You can be the most powerful thing is to maintain the moral high ground. The most powerful thing is to forgive. The most powerful thing is to not hold the sins and the unjust treatment against the person who is doing it, because then you you retain and maintain your power. And for those people who are very Afrocentric um, and very pro-Black and, and part of the Black power movement, to see the forgiveness, but not the vengeance, but yet still the power, there's so much complexity in that. Mm. And, and people cannot put him into the, well, he's Malcolm X or he's Dr. King. He's really a mixture of them both mm. and, and the positive attributes of them both while still maintaining his humanity. He's arrogant. Um, he makes poor decisions. Uh, you can tell he, at one point he, he doesn't really acknowledge other people. He thinks, he thinks himself above them mm. when uh, Hawkeye is saying, hey, you know, I don't think we've met. And Black Panther <laughs> just quickly says, I, I don't care. Yeah, that, was, that was hilarious. <laughs> I don't care who you are. Right, like, right. What does it matter? He's like, oh, okay, well, tough crowd, you know? Um, so he does have those human elements of being of that arrogance, but it, to see him make that arc at the end and be benevolent mm. to give Bucky asylum mm -hmm. and to presumably give the Avengers asylum in Wakanda is man, you can't get away from that. No. You can't get away from that complexity that's what, to me, I think people are onto something when they say he's the most exciting character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe so far. Uh, well, we'll have to see what he does in his solo movie. I'm, I'm stoked to see what they do with Wakanda. I mean, I, you know, you, as you mentioned, I mean, we got teases and, and kind of uh, tastes, if you will, of, of what the culture is probably or, or what it can be, what it could be. We got that one room in terms of actually like because the setting of Wakanda um, it's, it's, I mean, that, that's, that's kind of a huge moment, kind of like, you know, going back to the, the first wave of, of Marvel films, you know, not only did we get Thor, we got Asgard, right? And so this was a new interpretation of bringing Asgard into, into kind of, uh, into the movie universe. And so Wakanda, this is, this is a very unique country in the way that, you know, it's, it's resources have kind of shaped it. The, the fact that imperialism has never come to Wakanda, you know, it, it is, uh, they, they can do so much. They can tell, there's been so many different iterations too, of what Wakanda looks like, what it can look like. Um, and especially how the technology plays into that, because in many respects, you know, the super science that we've gotten with, uh, you know, Tony Stark flicking around his little holographic phone and everything. <laughs> that, just cool. that, that's cool. But like, I, I have a feeling that's scratching the surface of what Wakandan scientists have been doing, uh, scientists have been doing in, uh, you know, in Wakanda. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing more about that, especially once we get the Black Panther, uh, the, the main, uh, main movie, which would be really exciting. But I got to say, yeah. man, this really was Marvel's uh, Empire Strikes Back. It, you know, while, while we yes. did get that great hero moment through line with Black Panther, uh, you know, things do kind of end on a little bit of a you know, un, unsure note as far as where every, everything is. Plus a guy loses his arm and gets frozen in carbonite. So, I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> right. this is, this is, this is, that's hilarious. Let's read some of the comments that we have, uh, from our pastor, Mike, 
Facebook group because I really want to get into some of that. Bo, you have some of those comments? Yeah, I've got these pulled up right now. We, uh, we posted out on the Facebook group and I mentioned specifically I was going to be pulling from some of these when we had the discussion. But uh, uh, Desmond on the fl- Facebook group says, Desmond on the Facebook group says, the Black Panther stole the show. He was more regal and noble than Cap, more resourceful than Stark, and more athletic and powerful than Bucky, uh, and more eth- ethereal and wise than either side. And that's, that's true. That's kind of talking about what you were talking about in terms of the big story, quote unquote, big story. Uh, but then kind of his ethereal approach to the narrative that was going on. Um, we also have, uh, Jonathan who said first experience with the character, but I was captivated, uh, with the depiction of black Panther. Wow. Um, we've got, let's see, uh, Derek who said as, a fan, I was thoroughly excited to see Black Panther in the show, especially considering that the character never made it to the big screen in the history of Marvel Comics. My sentiments are similar to others that he stole the show. Uh, Paige on the, the group also says, oh, uh, you are going to make my son so happy. I think that that means that her son is looking forward to this uh, podcast discussion. <laughs> right, yeah. um, Aaron James, friend of the show, of course, this was my first experience with the character as well. I thought Spider-Man would be the significant addition, but I was wrong. Black Panther has so much more depth and his skills and tenacity are unreal. I can't wait to see him in the movie. And then uh, one final one. And we've got, we got more, so I apologize for not reading everybody's. Uh, but, but one final one for the show, we got Alicia, uh, who wrote and said, every time someone asked me who won, I want to say black Panther. He truly yes. came out on top because he didn't let you, let you know what overcame him. Uh, if you can imagine taking the whole sequence out, then it becomes obvious how important his decision of meekness was uh, a little ray mm-hmm. of light and hope. And that's, you know, we talked about kind of just a second ago, how it kind of ends a little bit on a downer, but that's the hope that, that, that he yeah. presented into the narrative. And so, yeah, great comments. So, Big thanks to everybody on the, the Facebook group who, uh, who were, jumped on and, and gave us some comments before recording the show. We really appreciate y'all's engagement there. And uh, yeah, y'all are awesome. Yes, you should join also the Passing Mike Facebook group. It's a great place for these types of conversations that we have. Um, so you can go to, to Pass the Mike on Facebook and search it. But what I'm hearing, Bo, is... There are a lot of people who say this is my first interaction with the Black Panther character. Right. Where should they start? Um, oh, don't put me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, I, so if, if it's me, I would say you need to start with the Christopher Priest um, Black Panther. So you need to start with that series. Anything written by Christopher Priest, I think, is 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 great. He kind of does the definitive uh, Black Panther um, interpretation. However, at the same time, I would say that if if you're listening to this, there is a new Black Panther series that is coming out, and it is uh, written by famed uh, writer and and one of the uh, kind of main voices for racial justice um, in in the current culture, Ta-Nehisi Coates uh, from the Atlantic. He's actually writing the new Black Panther series now. It's being released slowly. Um, uh, in my opinion, too slowly um, over the next few few months and years. But um, if you're if you're listening to this and, and a little time has elapsed, then you can probably look into that as well. And that's just there's some tension there. There's some tension with the themes, and we'll get into that. If you open up the first issue, you will exactly know what I'm talking about when you say the tension um, in some of the themes. So we're not going to give it our full endorsement as far as what is being expressed there, but we will say that there's a lot of complexity. And uh, I do like where he's taking the character. Now, let me ask you this, Bo. Oh, can I throw one in real quick? Yes, please. Go ahead. One that I would throw in, especially for the kids, because, I mean, I think it's important for kids to see. I mean, you know, comics have become, uh, you know, kind of a catch-22. You don't know if it's going to be an adult comic or if it's going to like adult geared or children geared and that sort of thing because of the way the the medium has has grown up with its audience. But one thing I think is, is crucial is for kids to experience kind of these, these hero narratives and especially the importance of seeing representation of you know, various races and, and men and women in kind of these hero roles. So one thing I would encourage you to check out for your kids is uh, the Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, which is a cartoon series. And yes. uh, Black Panther shows up, I want to say late season one, uh, might have been early season two. Um, but you know, he shows up on the scene. He's kind of a, he's, he's a fringe member of the Avengers. Um, but Wakanda plays a a large role into that as well. Their take on Wakanda early on is very, uh, it's, it's less, I don't know. It it gets, it gets to where I I, kind of like the Wakanda, but that's just me personally. I don't, did you ever see that show? I have not seen much of it. I've seen little glimpses here and there, but not much of it. A lot of people say that it's a good representation 
Um, but for me, I've, I've just never seen it. So I've heard good things though. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I the, the depiction of T'Challa there is really, really great. So I would, I would encourage you to check that out. Awesome, man. This has been great. I've really enjoyed just talking about Black Panther and the character. Listen, if you have any insights into it, if you have some, maybe some things that we didn't see, you want to talk about some relevant scenes, um, please reach out to us. You can obviously follow us on Twitter at underscore pass the mic. You can reach out to us there. Um, you can also comment on rant network, rantnetwork.org on this particular um, posting on the audio. We'll respond to your comments there. You can follow Rand Network on Twitter at Rand Network. Uh, there's so many different ways that you can connect with us. Also on Facebook.com by liking the page Reformed African Americans. Um, we also want you to subscribe to us on iTunes and rate and review us because that gets this podcast and some of the insights that we have into more eyes and, and into more ears, so to speak. Um, you can also subscribe to us on Satchel as well, which is Bo York's app. Um, it. It's really great. And it has a lot of functionality. You can donate to us there. A lot of things that go on there. Um, and hey, we want to hear your feedback. Listen, we know that sometimes we'll say things that you're like, you're crazy. There's no possible way this exists or there's no possible way um, that you're right on any of these things. We accept that it's possible. We're human. Um, so if you reach out to us, uh, we would love to start the conversation with you. Uh, we'd love for you to also bring those thoughts into the Pastor Mike Facebook group, as I was mentioning earlier. Um, it's a great place for us. It's a very diverse group. It's not just Reformed African-Americans. It's not just Reformed people, and it's not just African-Americans. Uh, it's a lot of different people from walks of life who have come together and just want to pursue racial reconciliation and justice as best as they can. Um, and we also want you to stay tuned. We have some great episodes coming up, some great guests who are going to be coming on. And yeah, Bo, is there anything else? Well, one thing I'd uh, like to mention, if if uh, you'll give me kind of the the personal uh, allowance here, it's um, so you you made a mention at the top of the show about me globe uh, globe hopping and, and talking about podcasting. Uh, I will be in uh, in London uh, this coming June. Uh, the week up, uh, the, Lexan on them. the, the media it's, it's called new media Europe and it's uh, June 18th through the 19th. I'm looking forward to it. I'll actually be there the full week beforehand. And so, um, I, I know through our Facebook group, we've got some London listeners. I, I even saw that there's a multi-ethnic church in London that I'm hoping to visit. Um, uh, from that, from just was yes. recommended from some of our listeners, but yeah, if you're in the London area and, uh, and you're going to be around in June or you've got any recommendations, please send them my way. Uh, we'd love to meet up and uh, just hear about what's going on overseas. Shout out to the UK, man. Shout out to all our global listeners. We really appreciate that. Absolutely. Um, we thank you guys for that, man. I'm, I, when I found out that there were listeners in the UK and other places, I was shocked. Um, I know the dynamics there and in other countries are so so much different than America. So to hear that they've been blessed by the show was a particular honor. So thank you guys for listening. We appreciate you. And uh, well, for Bo York. Um, I've been your host, Tyler Burns, and we'll see you soon on the next Pass, Pass the, mic. the Mic. You've been listening to Pass the Mic, a Pottery production. To find out more about this and other shows, visit Pottery.com. That's P-O-D-A-S-T-E-R-Y dot com. This episode was brought to you in part by The Compelled Podcast, which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.